All right. Hey guys, welcome to the show. It is good to be with you as always. Um, and yeah, I'm just gonna be real, real honest with you guys. Um, right now things are crazy, um, between my regular work responsibilities and, you know, being a husband and a father and, um, you know, hunting season, all these trips that I've been doing, trying to keep these podcasts rolling out every single week, trying to edit my films together, um, traveling, doing different hunts, um, stuff is crazy. And to be honest, I'm like barely keeping my head above water. So, um, I appreciate y'all's patience, um, through some of the maybe technical issues and stuff. I am a one man show, so I do everything myself. I don't have any help. So, um, you know, I think last week the Brian call episode had some audio issues. Those have since been ironed out. Uh, they weren't major, but, um, there was some level leveling issues. If you want to go back and listen to that again, I did fix those issues. So should be good to go. Um, this week I have an awesome episode. Um, last week, me and Dan Staten of Elk Shape sat down together and did a podcast just recapping the whole trip. I've kind of been hinting at it and some of the stuff that went down, but um, there's lots of sketchy, you know, stuff that went down. Um, and it was a tough hunt. And so we're going to give you all the details about the story of how everything went down and what, what happened. Um, this is the first time in a long time I've done an episode with someone else who, you know, I'm friends with. So, you know, me and Dan didn't know each other before this hunt, but now we spent so much time together, like, you know, we're friends. And so the, the conversation flows really well. And I think you guys will enjoy it. And like I said, we do go into all this crazy stuff that went down where basically some USO outfitter guides were illegally um, lying and kicking people off of public land claiming that they had the rights to be there and no one else did. Um, so though it was a tough hunt and didn't end, you know, maybe the best way possible or whatever, um, we felt like this was an important story to share, an important thing to shed light on because this is something that's been an ongoing problem in New Mexico, maybe other places as well. But we experienced this firsthand and I even, you know, used some of my video that I recorded and sent it to the game warden, who was able to use that as evidence in this case, and they're looking into filing hunter harassment charges against these guys. Um, so serious stuff, you know, a story that needed to be told, and hopefully, you know, through shining some light on it, we can maybe help out some people that are hunting in New Mexico and have dealt with this before. Um, so get ready for that. And, you know, we just, we recap the whole hunt. So it's a, it's a really fun episode. Uh, again, if there are any... Um, minor glitches or whatnot in the video, just roll with it. Um, I got everything. Everything should be good to go. Um, there's a few little things that happen, but it won't affect the, the storytelling or the content or anything like that. But if you're watching the video, like I said, these YouTube podcasts are a ton of work. I'm doing them all by myself. Um, so it's not perfect, but just bear with me, be patient. Like I said, I'm really doing the best I can with all my responsibilities and trying to get these out every week. The audio should be perfect on the audio version. Anyway, um, thank you for your patience. Thank you for listening. I know you guys will enjoy this. And uh, please share and uh, keep leaving those comments, those reviews, those really help out. And, uh, you know, without going to a whole lot more stuff, let's just jump in and hear the story of how things went down in New Mexico with me and Dan of Elk Shape. Enjoy.
Okay, so what's up, man? Uh, we're live. We're rolling. Yep. Yeah. What's up? Is uh, I'm <laughs> I not talk to you. I'm not elk hunting right now. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Do you? Is it? It's so weird. Like readjusting to society, isn't it? I jump right back in. I'm used to it, but okay. it's uh, it's not fun. I don't enjoy jumping back in. Yeah. Honestly, like I was in a way, I mean, it, it was bad that I wasn't able to get home and see my family an extra day early, but it was kind of good to have a day to like process a little bit. And like, literally I had like caked on mud all over my body and like shower that off and like repack my stuff in a somewhat organized fashion. So anyway, it, it was for me, it took me a second to like readjust. Like I turned the TV on for a second and I was like what are these strange beings talking about? And I turned it off, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That was your first ever out West elk hunt. Um, yeah. and we picked a humdinger of them all. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was a tough, I mean, context wise, contextually, you know, I didn't shower I, I for nine, 10 days. That's not uncommon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the amount of dirt that comes off your body when you finally hit that shower, uh, black it's water like wow yeah. i'm filthy animal <laughs> like there was like black water splashed on the sides of the bathtub i was like i want to take a picture of it it was so much <laughs> yeah yeah no it was a good deal um it was cool because we'd only talked a couple of times yeah leading up to the hunt and we didn't know each other we didn't um we didn't have like chemistry or any sort of like uh, the only thing I knew was I had read your resume that you submitted yeah, and you told me that you do CrossFit and that you'd lost <laughs> a bunch, you'd lost a bunch of weight. Yeah. And, um, I was like, well, looking at your resume, dude knows how to film. Um, how hard can it be to follow me around for a few days <laughs> in the woods? Right. It's simple, but it's not easy. Oh, well, just one foot after the other, but it doesn't make it easy. Yeah, but we should yeah, totally, was, like, break that down. Yeah, for sure. But that was, like, while you were talking about that, that was the other thing, too, about the trip that was crazy is, like, exactly, I went from just meeting you in the truck and then to, like, literally spending every hour of every day together, just you and me, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Except for, like, a couple times at meal time or at meal times, um, for 10 days straight. Just, like, you and yep. one other human in the woods – um, and then go and then like not seeing that person like abruptly. It's, it's the whole thing is kind of strange, but it was awesome. It is weird, but it is cool. I think, um, in most circumstances in my position, I would have been able to like talk to you like days before the hunt, weeks before yeah. the hunt, months before the hunt, but like realistically, we didn't get it figured out to the last minute, and then you went to Alaska, which is badass, yeah. <laughs> and you came home from Alaska, and when you came home, I was already gone for elk season yeah. and antelope season. I was in Idaho with no like plans of really ever coming home, Yeah. Um, and so it was like, well, I hope we planned good enough because <laughs> I got to pick this dude I've never met up at an <laughs> airport and uh, see if we can yeah. – film some magic together but it worked man we we i think we hit it off right away and gelled and i you know a lot of guys we spent that time with like that much time close up you'd probably want to kill them after a couple of days but hey i you know i think we're pretty good friends now 
I pretty much did day one on purpose. Like, uh, so for those <laughs> listening, like, yeah, we we're, we'll get into all the details. I mean, I know we could talk for three hours on this episode, and I know you don't have three hours, so I'll try to go fast. But like, I mean, I, uh, I'm not limited on time. Like, okay. my wife said she could pick up the sun from school, so. Oh, good. Well, let's take our time. So basically, if you haven't listened to the Elk Shape podcast where it's called The Elk Cartel, maybe <laughs> stop and go back and listen because we're not going to like, so much we're not going to go over all that stuff, but we are going to hit your perspective, Hunter. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to try to do this podcast on both our platforms so as many people can, we want to bend a lot of ears, but totally. uh, I bought a New Mexico landowner tag for the first time ever. And the reason why I did that is, let's just compare and contrast the last decade. I've been able to buy two elk tags in Idaho over the counter and kill two bulls. I don't even know how many times I've done that. I'd have to sit down and write it out. But that's like pretty cool to have two elk tags in one state in the same like zone and kill two elk, dedicate your full season. And then there was several times where like I draw montana general or a wyoming general and then i'd like end up killing three bulls a year and i've done that many times but all normal blue collar elk hunting yeah um i would be lying if i said i didn't get envious of maybe some other insta famous hunters who definitely have figured (laughs) out how to get sponsors or they spend a small fortune yeah on hunting premier elk ranches like uh, who wouldn't be envious of that? But yeah, sure. I always come back to, Dan, you're the voice of your average blue-collar elk hunter. Like, you got to where you've gotten because you are relatable. Like, you keep it real, yeah. and you can't go away from that. Yeah. So this was the furthest I've gone away from that by, like, buying a landowner tag. But I will say— Yeah, but, dude, just from an outsider's <laughs> perspective going in, there was nothing— like when someone says, "Oh, I got a landowner's tag in New Mexico," this is not where your mind goes. What we did, like we did, what you're talking about, like we were with other dudes that were just normal freaking dudes, like wearing Walmart camo, like looking for elk. You know what I mean? Like we ended up getting into them eventually, but it was not like we were not staying in a cabin or you know or hunting cute. Like we were. This was what you're talking about. Yeah, there was no cook. No, there was no guide. <laughs> There's nothing to tip. No. Um, and I knew like when you pay $1,200 for a landowner tag, Yeah. like I, I looked up a couple of units I've hunted in New Mexico before that I've drawn normal and killed in. And yeah. these aren't like great units by any stretch of me, but the elk hunting was superior. Like it was like there was elk and they were bugling and there was public land. Um, uh, those tags for like probably three to four grand uh, if you got one early and then if you waited five, six grand, um, I had friends hunting just south of us yeah. a couple units down. They, they all paid seven to $8,000 for their landowner tag. Yeah. Jeez. Um, and then my friend guides in the Gila, theirs are 12 to $14,000 and mm. they're ranch only. So you have to be on the ranch with the guide. Yeah. Uh, so the landowner tag thing is definitely like it's privatization of elk hunting. Yeah, it does move. Um, it creates classes. It makes to elk where, a commodity. Yeah, and and elk they it are doesn't but it, it, they are, but it doesn't really like. Yeah. Um, I don't know how to say it any other way, resource. but like 
it, it kind of doesn't become the people's like the elk are owned by the state like they're everyone's yeah. elk it kind of it kind of goes away from that north american model of conservation yeah when you do privatization and so like just to add context to like new mexico um i don't have the exact numbers so don't fact check me but i'm close there's 22,000 elk tags that are in the draw uh-huh there's 13,000 tags that are not they're landowner tags. Mm. And if you dig in like, okay, why does a landowner, someone who owns land get a tag? Uh, and I looked into it and it's like, I wrote, I wrote down some notes, but it's like, basically these, they, these landowners basically can get a tag because they're like, they're they theoretically own some of those elk, right? No, no. Uh, Okay, so I have it written down right here. So it's not the old English kind of like <laughs> serfdom where they own some land, so they own everything on it, including the animals, and let the peasants hunt them. Okay, so a lot of <laughs> landowners like they they put their money in like they put some money into habitat like restoration or okay. creation for mm-hmm. the benefits of elk and other wildlife, but they also um, many of them, but not all of them, will open up their gates to hunting and create some sort of like access that you know basically otherwise wouldn't exist right and and that's some of them and then there's many that are just like they're here's some elk tags and they're like sweet they see dollar signs and so <laughs> yeah uh it's a weird deal because it when you privatize elk hunting uh you're creating a market that doesn't have a lot of regulation mm-hmm. i think we called you called it the underbelly and yeah. i call it a black market <laughs> yeah but like Straight up, if I'm a yeah. landowner in New Mexico and I I get 10 tags, I can basically, I'm busy, so I can just sell them to right. a broker. Yeah. And the broker's going to be like, hey, man, I'll just, I'll take all your 10 tags. You don't have to worry about it. I'll pay you good money. And then he can turn around and he can create, especially right now with the demand, mm-hmm. a filthy margin. Yeah. And- that guy can sell that tag to that guy and the tags can just be keep getting sold and sold yeah. and sold. And I could and, we could feel that on this hunt, just that like ugh, sketchy stuff going on. Anytime there's that kind of money involved, people are gonna get greedy and start doing sketchy stuff. So we felt that big time. We saw that. Yes, we experienced saw and felt it. it. Yes. <laughs> um and so you know like would I ever buy a landowner tag again? You know, maybe, but it would it would have to certainly make a lot more sense. I failed, yeah. Hunter, to vet this unit, um, and I and a reason why I didn't vet it is because these these tags come up for sale and they're gone. Right. I I wasn't even checking Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace, or I just got a text from a friend of a friend who said, "I know you're looking for a landowner tag. Two are going up on this." On Craigslist, oh, inside in like, knowledge, huh? Yeah, he's like, be the first one to text this guy. He said, I don't know a lot about the unit. I just know that it used to be it used to be one of the most premier elk hunting units in New Mexico. Yeah, and you know, full transparency, I'm like, dude, if there's a bull there on public land, I'll kill him. It don't matter. <laughs> like, yeah. I'll get it done. Yeah. Um. I didn't like look up to see 
how much was National Forest, how much was BLM and state, and how much was private. I didn't know New Mexico's largest private landowner (laughs) owned half the unit. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And And was a sketch ball. Well, well, he's not. He's not. And I think we should make that clear from, like, the guy on your sign, if you're watching the video, Floyd Lee. Yeah. I've only heard great things about him. Yeah, this was posted by the USO, not Floyd Lee. Yeah. So Floyd Lee is one of the, I think he is the largest land, private landowner in the state of New Mexico. He gets a shitload of tags because he's a landowner. Yeah. And I believe, I don't know for sure, and I don't really care, but I believe he sells them all to USO, United States Outfitters, yeah. owned by George Tallman. And so they get those tags, and I don't know if they're ranch only. I would bet money that they are, but they could be unit-wide. Yeah. And so those guys can hunt Floyd Lee's ranch. And honestly, that's a great that's a great thing for someone to pay to go hunt Floyd Lee's ranches because those elk seem to like to bed just about everywhere in the unit. They like they know to go bed on the private. Right. They don't spend daylight hours on the public, not very often, at least. Yeah. And uh, and so Floyd Lee, man, that's a transaction for him. Sure. That's just a transaction probably help go towards paying some of his property tax yeah you know but he's a cattle rancher he right. don't you know it's about he, dollar he signs his, yeah so yeah and everybody's got to make a living so but i don't know should we i don't know should we start kind of more chronologically on like recap the hunt and then talk on offshoots as we go and maybe kind of yeah. circle back to this because this is like yeah I, yeah i think the the freshest perspective is like take us through your lens man like you've only known me from um the internet Um, yeah that's true you what did you think you were getting into and (laughs) what did you get into and then hindsight like how bad was it you know that kind of thing all right well that's a big question um so yeah i'd seen you i hadn't been to any elk shape camps or anything like that we did talk we had a podcast so i knew we had least could like carry on a conversation like you know I felt like you were a pretty cool guy. And I was like, towards the end, I was just like, hey, you know, I do video and I sent you some links. Anyway, I think one thing led to another. But yeah, um, I just overall, I mean, I was really impressed by you guys. Um, I think I made a post about it and I don't want to sound all like cheesy and bro out, but I will a little bit. Um, like you guys were cool. You accepted me in as a team member, not as a like hired hand because i've had that experience before with like videoing for people and they're just like hey do this you know what i mean like um so that was cool but yeah i mean just you pulled up and um i was like let's go you got an awesome rig by the way everything you need to so that was cool they pulled up these guys pulled up at the uh at the hampton inn i was waiting for them and you know had the atvs and the four-wheelers and um dance trucks all wrapped out and everything so uh and then got in there was like literally like a cubby hole sized <laughs> area that was not clear there was clear of gear that i could just fit in like a little nest back there so anyway um yeah i mean overall like i said i was really impressed with y'all's like work ethic how i mean there was not there was very few times if at all that we were back at camp in daylight hours unless we were packing camp and moving it <laughs> and uh so um i don't know i think the question's too big but um i don't know no i i, I think that's good i think people like people hear these things that i say on the podcast that at camps 
Yeah. And I just want to live it. Like I want to oh, yeah. live. Like every what second I was, we were bombing around the unit on the ATV, exploring, trying to figure out, like looking for sign, you know, looking for places to put your trail cameras. Um, if it wasn't like, like pretty much every time I looked at you and we weren't actively hunting or doing something else, you were like just going over Onyx. Like I have a picture of you in Pizza Hut, just like, <laughs> yeah, like your fingers just go like literally every waking second, pretty much was either we were looking for elk or doing something to give us a better chance to finding elk. Like it was just like the whole time. So you guys are on it, man. You guys are, uh, like I said, I think I said to you out there, like I've seen, you know, I know if I have friends that are into hunting and guys that like hunting, but like you guys take it to a whole nother level, man. And I really learned a lot from y'all. So it was, it was a very cool experience. Well, we, we have, and when we say we, the other guy is Jake Webb. He's somebody who came to one of my elk shape camps and he just seems to linger around in my life. And if you've been around Jake long enough, like I think you witnessed it, he's pretty much the most maintenance-free relationship. Yeah. Like he's self-sufficient. <laughs> yeah. He is always positive. Yeah. Like totally. literally, we'll get into some of the stuff that happened to him, but he's always like nothing fades him. Yeah. And um, I just don't have to worry about him. Like he, he's just a just a good dude who tries yeah, hard for sure um he's got two girls like two daughters mm -hmm. um so he's got a lot of responsibility yeah he's made Never a lot of say one negative thing or complain about anything he hunted solo the entire time pretty much yep. basically yeah no and, and and that's what i like about him is like he knows that i like to hunt solo um and he also knows that like i like to not have any regrets when a hunt's over so like because it's such a long off season you can literally and people listening will be like shit i'm in that <laughs> boat right now and that's okay um but i've done it so you're not alone where i either made mistakes or got lazy or tired or fatigued or if i just sit down and think back to man i really squandered that afternoon yeah or man I shouldn't have slept in that morning or yeah, yeah it, it, it was raining light. We could have still hunted, but I stayed in my tent, like whatever it is. Like I know that my season is so short and my off season so long that I will literally try to kill myself while I'm out there <laughs> just so I can sleep good at night when the hunt's over. Wow. Looking back at our New Mexico hunt, Hunter, I effing tried my hardest. Dude, I know you did, man. You guys, I gave it everything. I know, I know you did. So, I don't have any regrets. And then, nah, man. the funniest thing about our hunt was like after day three, you look at me and you're like, "Dude, I feel like I'm filming a documentary, not a hunt." And I was like, "You're right. Like yeah. this is actually turning into a documentary. Maybe we were. Maybe God had a plan for us to be there." to go through this maybe we'll be a catalyst or at yeah. least a brighter light in a darker area of elk hunting that a lot of people don't know about yeah that's a great way to look at it man um because you definitely came out of there with stories to tell for sure um okay go let's go back to this first day thing because that's another thing you asked i think you asked like how i felt and all this stuff when you had that huge question um there was one moment and like, so after coming back from the trip, I have all these like article ideas. I'm working, I'm actually working on one that's like, you know, 10 days with elk shape, what I learned hunting with Dan Staten. And in the intro of the article, 
um, I'm talking about this one moment where like I'm laying in my tent after the first day and I mean, we put in after the first full day. Yeah. So we put in probably, I don't know, 12, 12 hours hiking, probably 10 to 12 hours hiking. Um, tons of elevation. You can speak to more of the details, but I think you said like 3000 up. 3,000 down and 3,000 back up or something. Yep. And we like, somehow ended up going up three, down three, up three. That's gnarly. And like, what was it, 11 miles or something? Just over, yep. Okay. And I'm laying there in the tent and like, I should be sleeping. I'm like, you have to go to sleep. Like, you should be sleeping. Like, you need to sleep. But I, my brain would not go to sleep because I was literally like, dude, I don't know if I can do this <laughs> for like nine days. Luckily, just the way the hunt went, they weren't all that brutal. But I was like, the only thing I knew was like quitting was not an option. But the rest was like just total anxiety. <laughs> so I don't know if you've listened to the podcast that we did, me and Jake driving. I haven't back listened yet. to it yet. Okay, so you'll you'll appreciate like we give you a lot of props okay, because day one was I, I didn't plan it this way. I, I'm shooting you straight. Like I I I did see on the map that there was the most remote part of the unit. James, my buddy who lives in Albuquerque, is like, dude, go to there. Yeah. Ain't nobody go in there. There'll be some elk in there. <laughs> and to me, true. that's all you got to tell me. It's like, okay, it's hard to get to. Nobody wants it bad enough. Unmolested elk, sign me up. And yeah. so I marched your ass in there, and we got right into <laughs> a, an awesome sounding yeah, bull. we did. And I don't know what – I still don't know why he didn't want to play because I felt ghost, like we – man. We had the best wind ever. Like it just – like I rarely had my windicator out because it just – it wasn't swirling. It was very prevailing based on thermals. And when the thermals and the prevailing line up, it's like, dude. And <laughs> and we were just – I wasn't being ultra aggressive. I was giving him some really good cow sounds with some squeaky bugles that just – yeah like. Any bull that sounded like that Some should be like, stuff. oh, just he should have ran us over. Yeah. And the fact that we got into him under a hundred twice. Oh yeah, he was. Where I'm just waiting yards. for him to come in. Now, granted, yes, I'm calling solo, um, so that creates difficulty with the hang up spot. But I understand hang up spots, especially in that terrain. It was so steep and Pecker pulled out where we were that. His hang-up spot wasn't going to be any more than 30 yards. Yeah. Because of the terrain, he could not see. He could not yeah. go somewhere to see us. Right. And we had the wind. So, hindsight, I, I wouldn't change anything on that first morning as far as getting in on that bull. Mm-hmm. But what I – looking back, we had to go cover three more canyons. We went and covered it all. I sent out bugles. We were looking for sign. We ended up in deadfall hell. We did find that amazing wallow. Um, and then – I literally text Jake from my inreach saying, hey, bro, it's 2.30 in the afternoon. We haven't really stopped hiking, but we want a glass with you tonight. Um, we can't find any more elk in here. We're hiking out. I'll see you in the evening for a glass sesh. Yeah. And we already said on my podcast, but, dude, we got back to the four-wheeler, and it was pitch black. Like, it <laughs> took us from yeah. 2.30 to dark 30 to get out of there. Yeah. And I remember – this is your first day and you're having to stop and bust out Luco tape and get all these like hot spots handled. And then we had about an hour, 15 minutes left on our hike. And you were like, dude, I feel like I'm in a crash. Should I take this? And you, I don't know what's in the oh, bag. I had, had some uh, mountain optic night. 
Yeah. You're like, should I take this? <laughs> and I was like, dude, no, it's got caffeine. Like, don't you want to sleep tonight? And you're like, mm, yeah, I'm taking it. <laughs> and, <laughs> that may uh, have contributed to the sleepless, sleepless night in the tent as well a little bit. To be oh, honest. probably. <laughs> uh, and then the classic, like every elk hunter has done this. My dad even did it this year. He confessed is like, oh, yeah. get back to camp. And you're like, okay. I am going to go through my entire pack and pull mm-hmm. out all the stuff that I, I don't need. Yep. Binos are gone. <laughs> this is gone. That's gone. Yep. Like you dumped out 20 pounds worth oh, of least. stuff out of your pack. At least. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, so I knew a little bit what I was getting into. I mean, obviously I know Dan, the fitness man, like you, you know, it was going to be legit. Um, thankfully, like I said, they weren't all as hellacious as that first one. But were you, you said you did it on purpose. Is that what you said? No. I just knew that we oh. needed to, to scratch that itch. Oh, okay. Like I thought you said you like, did it on purpose why, to try me out. No, <laughs> no, I was joking if if you heard me say that. But like, my, okay. I I literally thought that we would probably get a bull killed in there. Um, Dude, we got close if we went there first. Yeah. Um. So, so I definitely trained for the trip, but there's only it's kind of hard to train where I live for this kind of trip because I mean, the only hill anywhere near me above like. 20 feet is man-made like a city park that's a reclaimed garbage dump literally called mount trashmore it's 70 feet tall and i go there to train sometimes but i mean it's hard to train for the mountains and you live in such a flat spot you know but um so, i tried well the thing that i that's curious to me is like okay i wasn't too worried about your physical like you have a phenomenal transformation Literally, like yeah. I don't know how many pounds you've lost, but you got a fat picture and you 75. look gross, <laughs> and now you got a ripped picture and you look like <laughs> lean and mean. And you show up and you're like, "Yeah, dude, I do CrossFit," and I'm like, "Dude, it don't matter. You're gonna get altitude sickness because we literally yeah. spent majority of our time between ten and eleven thousand feet, and I get altitude sickness mm. at that threshold." And you live at what? What do you live at? I don't live high. Spokane, Washington is like 2,100 feet. I don't live high. That's 2,100 feet higher than I live. But I live in the mountains in <laughs> September, and I'd already yeah. been at 10,000 feet for basically th- three weeks before yeah. that hunt. Um, so it was nothing for me, but I was definitely – I told Jake, I said, you watch. That dude's going to be back at camp after a couple of days with altitude sickness, and we got to keep an eye on him. Like yeah. it's not funny. And you yeah, you great. guys were worried, man. And even um, you guys were kind of worried about me getting altitude sickness. I was a little bit worried about it, to be honest. And even James, the local dude that we met with, was like, he looked me straight in the eye. He barely said a word to me all lunch. Yeah. And they looked me straight in the eye. He goes, altitude's going to bother you. And I was like, oh, God. And uh, But I remember I did prepare a little bit. So I think I'm actually writing an article about this, which is cool. But um, Yeah, I think give it was, us like some snippets. Yeah, yeah, a combination of – crossfit but also running on the weekend so i think mixing the really high intensity short stuff with the longer stuff helps um i took that wilderness athlete uh altitude advantage i think that helped absolutely Um, it's got that bitter root extract that's a that's proven yeah for sure so i did what the bottle said you know started taking two like five days before and then whatever the bottle said did that i think that helped stayed super hydrated etc etc but also at the end of the lunch i remember i looked at you and i said altitude sickness will not be a factor in jesus name and kind of laughed <laughs> and you kind of laughed but um hey i had a couple guys praying for me too i mean i believe prayer works so that's on my list of stuff and just believing 
not letting my mind be like, I'm going to get sick. I'm going to get sick. And just saying, I'm going to be fine. And just believing it and just going for it. And I was fine. I have so many people praying for me on hunts. Yeah, dude. And I don't, and they tell me later on and I'm like, dude, God is with me. He is for me. <laughs> nice. Who's going to be against me? And nice. it's very humbling when people tell you that you're like, man, you're intentionally praying for me. And, and, and honestly, people listening, like Hunter's definitely more outspoken about his faith than I am. I, I try to live it uh, and I suck at it. But, but the thing that I'm not ashamed to say is like, I am not the kind of guy that's like, oh, Lord Jesus, please bring, get me an elk. Like, please help me kill an elk. Like, I will never ask God to help me kill an animal. I will ask him to watch over my family, my children, yeah. my wife while I'm gone. There you go. To watch over Hunter, to watch over Jake while we're hunting, to keep us safe, and to help us, like, understand his creation and beauty and to appreciate it fully. Mm. I'm not out there like, Lord Jesus, bring me a big 400 inch elk <laughs> so I can get 10,000 more followers on Instagram. That's just not dude. Nah. That's just not, I don't believe in praying for that. Right. Uh, I think you should definitely like not overlook people praying for you and the power of that. I think that's awesome. For but sure. you, you literally never, ever, ever, ever slowed me down which was my biggest concern going into the hunt. For example, I said this on my podcast is like, I sleep as long as possible in the morning and I give myself 15 minutes to coffee, oatmeal, poop, and that's it. And then it's time yeah. to go beat all the other public land people, get where we need to get mornings, set up the rest of your day. Totally. And I'm and so I never and was like sitting thing, there waiting for yeah. you ever. Well, that's because I would set my alarm 30 minutes before you guys and and do all that stuff and make sure all my gear was straight and had the right tripods in there and whatever. So I was I was usually up before you guys. Not saying that like I'm so tough I got up earlier, but I'm just saying like I know I need more than 15 minutes. And so I would just get up earlier. Yeah, and I'm glad you did. And then even in the field, like, uh, looking back, like, I didn't know your filming style. Uh, but for me, it was good because uh, I don't want to be a director. I don't want to be um, right. a producer. I want to be an elk killer. And if you can just, <laughs> like, worry about getting the B-roll, worrying about the updates, yeah. and just nod nod me along – that's great. Like yeah. that's what I wanted, and and you did that, which is to be honest with you on your resume, you've written scripts, you've directed, you've produced. Mm -hmm. I don't care. Like you don't just smash a record button. Like anybody can smash right. a record button, but like yeah. knowing that you're like understanding, like hey, we're trying to tell a story. Sure. Uh, that was huge for me. Oh, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, kind of a one man band. That's you got to be these days, you know. So. Um, but yeah, it was super fun to work with you, and um, yeah. So I don't know where should we. Let's just get into like the meat and potatoes, man. Okay. Like, so you overcame altitude sickness. Yeah. You had that you... one moment of fear and doubt in the tent at night when I couldn't sleep. <laughs> what did you weigh when you got home from the hunt? And more importantly, what is the heaviest or the highest weight that you've had in my life? Yeah. Okay. When I got home from this hunt, I didn't. Um, 
immediately weigh myself, but I'm gonna say I was one seven based on like weighing myself the day after. I was probably one seventy four or one seventy two between one forty seventy two and one seventy four. I definitely was noticeably leaner when I came out. That being said, I, t- I mentioned to you guys, I went into the trip a little heavy because when I got back from Alaska, I just like was in recovery mode and just like hanging out and I was just kind of eating whatever. Um, so I probably went into the, I probably went into the hunt at probably around 177 to 180. So I probably lost a good five to seven pounds. At least I could just tell from looking how much leaner I looked. Um, so I definitely lost some weight. Um, but, uh, so 174, we'll just say 174. And then man, heaviest I've ever been in my life was 250 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. Like what podcast episode have you divulged your transformation the, you know, I haven't really. I've I've definitely talked about it. It might be in the intro episode when I talk about kind of my story and everything, um, but I haven't really gone. I haven't like really posted. I want to. I've sort of been waiting for the right time, but to really talk about it more um, and like post the the like picture before and after. But I haven't really talked much about it. I don't think. Well, maybe this isn't the podcast for that. But just yeah. so people like a teaser, Hunter's story. It was something I didn't really fully understand. Um, but I did appreciate it as soon as he told me. And, and I, and the fact that you were honest and real goes a long ways with me because if you're like, yeah, eh, I, I don't know. I, I just don't trust that. But you were yeah. really transparent with like little teasers, like, Hey, my testimony is legit. Like, yeah, I found God. Like I used to have battles with addiction Oh yeah, and, um, I've been a fat piece of shit before. And now, <laughs> um, I got my life straightened out and yeah. I'm, my marriage is most important and my kids and then career, like you're probably like you're solid dude. So I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Uh, you you overcome trying to keep up with elk shape, which is really mission impossible. And it's not that I'm, it's not that I'm some fitness guy. It's that I am literally the most driven MF -er on the mountain when it comes to elk hunting. It's a, it's a mentality. And I think people can, it's poppable. You can t- you can feel it when I'm in the room uh, yeah. talking about elk hunting. Um, if you, you weren't did sleeping, really well. you were elk hunting for ten mm-hmm. days straight. Yeah. So I would say the the meat and potatoes of this hunt that that I think this the reason why we have to record one more episode about this is to get your perspective yeah. not only for chasing me around but like this was your first actual elk hunt. Mm. And there's like there's one day in particular that we decided to try to hunt. Next to not the Floyd Lee Ranch, mm-hmm. we tried to hunt next to a different ranch, and we knew that the ranch had elk on it, and we could hear them. Like Jake and I oh, stayed yeah. up late the night before while you were dumping footage and charging batteries, mm-hmm. uh, and we were doing night bugling, which is something I talk about, and I I actually do it, people. Yeah. I I skip sleep, and I drive around, oh, yeah. turn my four wheeler off, and walk roads and bugle to try to locate elk to hunt the next day. Even if that means sleeping in the next day, at least I know where to go. And we found seven bulls, and they were on the border of public and national forest, or national forest public and private ranch that Mm -hmm. does have outfitting that is not United States Outfitters. And we thought we would give it a shot, get there in the dark in the morning, and hunt the fence line and hope and pray that one crossed over, got shot, and didn't die on private, <laughs> which is also very nerve-wracking. Yeah. What'd you think of that morning? 
Oh, uh, that was that was crazy, man. And just to that was day the, three. Yeah, the night bugling thing. That's true. He on at least two occasions that I know of was gone for at least an hour or more while everyone else was sleeping, except for I guess Jake went with you the first night, and uh, and was night bugling. So, um, so he was even. Yeah. Anyway, um, in terms of that that third day, yeah, that was. So we heard the one bugling in the woods, and that was a cool experience, but never saw him. Same thing with these. I mean, we were literally on the fence line of this private thing. You know, of course, we never went over, but we were, you know, right there. And we could hear, what was that, like 15 bulls or something? Or in that No, range? seven. I could count seven, seven. distinct okay. different bulls. Okay, yeah. But as far as 15 bugles every five minutes, yeah. at least. It's probably <laughs> the most bugles I've heard yeah. in an hour. They were yeah. hot. There was they a hot cow. nuts. Yeah, it, it sounded like a zoo or something down there um it was crazy man i mean to be honest i was you know i'm pretty focused on making sure i got good shots and making sure the audio is clean and and stuff like that although we did hang out there for a while but it wasn't really it didn't really hit me until i laid eyes on the thing which is way later in the story but like really when i like realized like why you guys are so obsessed with elk hunting and like why it's so freaking cool was not till I actually saw them and heard them at the same time. And like, anyway, we can maybe get to that later, but yeah, we will. But, and then the, the most noteworthy thing on that day was it was Jake's 35th birthday. Oh yeah. He was a thousand yards, uh, up the mountain from us hunting the same border. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and how the wind was blowing, we we set up that way so we wouldn't screw each other up. And basically, if the elk come on to public, they're going to come on to where he's at or where yeah. we're at, and someone's going to get a shot. Hopefully, it's Jake because it's his birthday. Now there yeah. was several <laughs> hunters who rode past our four wheeler. My four wheeler was definitely not parked uh, anywhere close to the main road, um, but his dirt bike was probably thirty yards off the main road, up against a tree. Yeah. And there was a couple of salty hunters that were not liking the fact that Jake was bugling a ton at these bulls and they were talking back and forth. Mm-hmm. And I think they felt that he was ruining their hunt or something, even though I know damn sure Jake was there before anybody because we got up so early that day. Yeah, we did. And he comes back to his dirt bike and he sees a big giant branch laying next to his bike that wasn't there. And then his brake lever, his clutch lever, his clutch cable, all broken. And then he's got a light bar installed on his old dirt bike with a battery, an external battery on the outside. And he created this cool custom mount for it, bolted in tight. That thing's shattered, dangling. Like somebody grabbed a giant stick and beat the ever-living crap out of his dirt bike. Had to hit it hard because it was like broken metal. Like. It wasn't like little plastic things broken. It was like broken metal. And I don't know if you guys ever rode a dirt bike. I know you have, Hunter. Yeah. It's not fun to ride a dirt bike that uh, with a clutch lever broken. It can be done, but it's really <laughs> yeah. tricky. And then his front brake lever is broken, so he has no front brake, no clutch lever, no light, and his battery he's having to hold with his hand. And he fell on his bow that day as well. So we get back to the four wheeler and the roads and are horrendously bad in most places like you can't take a full-size truck on a lot of the roads yeah. and he shows up with a smile on his face he's yeah. like could you believe that yeah yeah man he's a good dude for sure he wasn't even faded and you know fortunately i, I being a dirt bike guy i keep 
dirt bike parts in my deck system. Yeah. That, um, was, that was when I was like, whoa, Dan really does have everything. <laughs> You're like, oh, I got an extra <laughs> clutch lever in my truck. I was like, what? Okay. <laughs> I, I keep a whole dirt bike repair kit in, in, in that yeah. deck system. It never comes out. And uh, Jake was able to, to get back on the road. But that to me, that like highlights one hunting elk that don't come off private is strip club elk hunting oh yeah you can't take them home with you man you just got to sit on the sidelines and so we we figured out real fast that 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 wasn't going to be that wasn't going to work and then the other thing was like you know there's there's mean public land hunters not just outfitters but there's mean people on public land that get mad Mm -hmm. and will vandalize your stuff and that sucks man and you can't control that. So Jake did a good job of controlling his attitude sure. when it could have been like, dude, I'm done. This sucks. Mm-hmm. And he said he went back to camp, shot his bow, did some repairs on the bike, and was ready to roll. And yeah. and that's what it takes. For sure. And I will say also the willingness to an ability to recognize a situation is a dead end and reevaluate and readjust because – I'm sure there are a lot of guys who might come out there for a few days and hear that, you know, crazy menagerie of buglings going on and just get kind of like tunnel vision tunnel blinders vision. and just sit there on that property line for four days and then go home and never see an elk. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's a trap, guys. Don't yeah. fall for it. So um, <laughs> the, the next real big highlight was probably two things, and I think they're a day apart, but the fact that you and I were like, I was like, Hunter, we're going to ride 45 miles on a four-wheeler. We're going to get up at four, and I'm going to take us to a spot that there's just, like, nobody's going to want to go. Yeah. We're going to get to this Vantage that I have on Onyx. That's where we saw the the, herd the bull from the first day, right? We went back to the spot kind of? Yeah. So I called the spike in. Oh, in, I thought you were the, talking about the like the second day when we went back in from the other way where we heard the bull the first day. No, forget okay. all that. That was just that's just unfortunate. But I'm saying like, okay, it's day four. Okay, gotcha. I'm frustrated. We've hiked many many miles. Mm. I've done night bugling. I've been to the strip club. We got to find some elk on public land. Yeah, and I found. In the desert, a sweet vantage spot that yep. was close to where I called that spike in. Where we saw the giant like, mule deer. There's gotta be, there's gotta be elk here, and um, that's the day where we ran into. And, and guys, I'm speculating, so forgive me, but <laughs> we roll in to the middle of BFE. Yeah. On a two track road that middle not even a desert. full full size truck really shouldn't be on, and in the pitch black dark i can see brake lights not on just the reflection from my headlamp off my four-wheeler and i'm like dude there's a somebody's parked out there i wonder if they're broke down or something and we pull up and they're blocking the road so i had to drive off this road through sagebrush to go around them and i kind of peek in and there's two dudes in the truck and the passenger's on his cell phone and I can see his cell phone light up, and I was like, okay, whatever. And we ride around, and I'm like, okay, if they were broke down, they had every opportunity to hop out and say, hey, can you yeah. can you help us out? Plus, it was a brand-new freaking truck. It's a brand-new diesel GMC. Like, yeah, nice. Like, you could tell just like from the lights, it was like all those LED, like super nice. Like it was Out of nice my pay truck. grade. Yeah. And uh, as Clean. soon as we went around it, as soon as we went around it, 
the truck starts up, their headlights turn on, and they start yeah. following behind us. But not like obvious following. It was like creeping. Well, they couldn't. To look like we're not following you, but they were. Yeah, 100%. So we dusted them in probably a mile and came to our little turnoff, which is very obscure, took our turn off, went up that road a quarter mile and parked because I'm like, this is as far as we need to go. Like we don't, there's going to be elk here. Let's get up on this knoll and let's start glassing. And we got up there and you can take it from there. Yeah. So got up there and I look over, like we just sat down, started glassing. I look over and I see what is in my eyes, definitely three elk. (laughs) <laughs> like what 200 yards from us and i was like dude elk right here and um anyway it was pretty dark but they were it turned out they were just massive mule deer i mean like even you said they were huge mule deer right yeah there's probably three 170 plus bucks yeah um, and, and i my eyes are used to seeing eastern virginia whitetails so to me they, i was like those have gotta be elk just because the body size looks so massive to me anyway um, after we see those, I filmed those for a little bit. Pretty cool to see like some huge mule deer. Um, but then, so here comes, and I think you might've just glassed like one or two elk way on like in the valley. So I had glassed the, the nine cows that were spread oh, out. seen them? Okay. They were spread out by the triangle state piece. And yeah. then they had a five by five and a four by five with them. Yeah. And I hadn't then I hadn't glassed the other side yet. Um, when those guys in the white GMC diesel, yeah. Come so we driving. see the we see the GMC that followed us, like cre like right as we we're like kind of thinking like oh, maybe we can make a play or something. We see this this white truck that we saw earlier, brand new. By the way, all other hunters' vehicles out there, everyone we saw was you know pretty older model, like you know beat up normal guy's truck, not like waxed brand new like shiny like eighty thousand dollar truck anyway it comes up parks basically right in between us and where the elk are and then two guys not in hunting gear at all like in blue jeans and like t-shirts start walking between us and the elk in the direction of the elk like slowly like not obviously but obviously pushing elk back onto private yeah and and honestly i looking back i was like what are they doing? I think it's yeah. on video, but I'm like, we didn't put it together till later. But it became I don't think anything later. malicious is going on. Yeah. But looking back, hindsight, like, oh yeah, they got between us and the elk, and they walked towards the elk because mm-hmm. the elk were on public land, and then they got the elk to leave public land and go back to Floyd Lee Ranch. Yeah. And then they 180 back to their truck. Yeah. Meanwhile, on the other side of this ridge, I see six bulls jockeying for one cow. And there's five other cows, so there's six cows, six bulls, and there's a herd bull, and he's a six-point, and he's probably like a 266-point, and he's defending his harem. Mm. And I'm like, okay, Hunter, screw the GMC and all that stuff. <laughs> we got to get over there. They're still on public land right now. And so yeah. we literally grabbed our stuff and jammed down to the four-wheeler. Yep. Um, looking back, and I guess this is the best time to bring this up, like um, – I work with Onyx. I have worked with Basemap before. I, I find Onyx to be the absolute most reliable um, thing out west. And I know that Onyx has its struggles in the Midwest. And there are instances where Onyx is not correct, whether it be a land change, a land swap. Um, I understand that, 
so when you like for example when you go to New Mexico there is an there there is a link and maybe I should put it in the show notes man but like the BLM is provided and most up to date downloadable yeah um and I have it on my phone it's uh it's from blm.gov and you can download maps of New Mexico that are straight from BLM that'll show you for sure where you're yeah. at and it, and, it, and you can save it to your phone even when you don't have cell phone service. Um, but given where we were at, given the national forest and the two chunks of state land, it was super obvious that this was state land. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and so we jammed over there um, and crossed the fence onto state land, and we, we went right 100 yards from the boundary and tried to call those elk. But by the time we got there, they'd already made it onto the ranch. Yeah. They already made it through the saddle, and I was like, bro, they're going to come back tonight through the same saddle. We'll mm-hmm. be here tonight. Yep. And that's what we did. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that's... when we came back, dude, I mean, we went right over to the pinch point. That mm-hmm. was like the best elk trail. The wind was awesome prevailing. Like, mm-hmm. we got set up, and I was like, we won't even have to call. Like, this is going to be a perfect ambush spot. And do you remember what time it was when we finally saw those two yahoos coming oh, our way? Oh, man. Yeah, I remember this is like the story of pretty much every hunt on this trip. It was like, think you got a good spot and you're ready to go. And then like something or someone comes along and just like craps on your idea. Like, yeah. So it was like, all right. So we're sitting there. We're kind of hopeful, excited. Like, okay, we're going to see some elk. And then, yeah, I think like 5.30, 5.45, like maybe close to 6, like we see these two dudes just like plodding along down like right to where we're thinking the elk are probably going to come out from. And I have my spotter out with my phone scope, so I zip it on them and yeah. zoom in tight. Like I can see their faces. <laughs> That's how close they are. I'm recording. And I think I'm like, dude, Hunter, these guys, uh, it looks like the guy with the bow is about three steps away from a heart attack. <laughs> And that's probably pretty judgmental, but that's the largest overweight person I've ever seen elk hunting on public land. Really? By wow. far. Wow, dang. Uh, you just don't see a lot of that archery elk hunting in the mountains. Um, yeah. And then he's with a guy who's a little pudgy, but whatever, and he does not have a bow. He has a backpack. He looks like a guide. Yeah. And they're walking towards us, and I don't know how close they were, but when they got close enough, I was like, hey, Hunter – I'm going to stand up in the sunshine on yeah. the hillside so they see me and then they'll probably like go, oh, crap, these guys got this pinch point covered. Let's just go to the next one over. Like normal public land hunters do. Yeah. And whatever. Well, <laughs> they don't like they don't stop and like they're getting closer and closer. Yeah. And then you finally come over and stand up and you're six foot. Yeah. They definitely stop. Oh, yeah. See us. Glass us. <laughs> Talked about it a second. Talk about it for 15 <laughs> seconds. And then, sh- like, it's almost like yeah. they just said, eh. And they kept walking towards us. And at that instant, I was like, oh, man, these guys are going to come, like, talk to us. Which yeah. I, I don't want to have a combo or powwow on the mountain. Right. No. They get about 80 yards from us and dive into oh a little gosh. oak patch. Yeah. And set up. And I'm just, like, kind of mad. I think I was really, really mad. 
But then I was also like, well, Hunter, we have 200 yards between us and, and, and the property boundary. If these out come, I can definitely squeeze squeeze right. these guys on a shot. Yeah. And I will because we were here first. Yeah. And we kind of moved down a little bit more into an even closer position to where we could make a move like quickly and cut them off, basically. And then the guy starts cow calling. Oh, my gosh. To the point where I got a headache from how many times he it, cow called a minute. Yeah. Non-freaking stop until dark. Non, I, yeah, that is not an exaggeration. Literally every like 10 seconds, you know, six, five, six, seven times a minute cow call for hours. Till dark. Yeah. Now, given that I'm used to public land shenanigans, I at this point, I, I'm like, I haven't put together the GMC and the elk getting pushed back to private. I haven't put together it that this is hasn't clicked for us yet. Hasn't clicked that this is yeah. a guide and his <laughs> client. Like, why would they be on state land? Yeah, I was like, <gasps> why would a guide? Why wouldn't bring, they be yeah. at the saddle right. on private where the elk went this morning? Like, there's a good chance you'll actually get a daylight shot, and it's a better pinch point yeah. and probably better wind. None of that. Um, so being the dumbasses that we are, we go back, and I call James, and James is like, you know, you guys do have landowner tags. Why don't we look them up and see which private land you guys can hunt? Because then maybe you can get away from some of the pressure. Yeah. So he looks it up for us, and we have access to 1,200 acres to the far north. And so that that was that big mesa, right? Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on one second while you're spitting. Let me just this stupid another stupid annoying thing about YouTube podcast, man. This camera has a 30 minute record limit, so I have to stop every 30 minutes. And All right. Anyway. So, so we basically drove to the same spot we were in the night before. Caught two bulls, just on private. Had a vocalized vocalized exchange. One of them comes over from private to public, like, and I didn't tell you, hey Hunter, come film this slowly. I'm just like, dude, bull's coming. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna get him on my right side, and you moved quick, and the bull picked that movement off. Yeah. But he was he was dude he was you know at what 71 it, yards. Okay. Yeah, you went into that kind of quick, but yeah. So the next morning we went into the same general area near some water and stumbled on a couple of bulls. Actually, I saw them on the way in, um, but it was too dark to shoot at that point. Um, but anyway, um, but yeah, what it was was, so for you guys are noticing or listening, Dan, as you probably might guess, he's fast paced dude. He moves, he does things fast. And um, so normally when he tells me like, you know, he's not giving me a lot of orders, but like every now and then he'll say, okay, come over and do get on this side or whatever. I'm used to doing it fast, just kind of matching the energy. So, um, so yeah, he was like, I didn't know the bull was like actually standing there in bow range looking at us. I thought he was like, I don't know. I just, I didn't know. So he said, move over here. So I came kind of quick and then he went to, you went to reach to uh, slow me down and you had your range finder in your hand and it clink it like tapped my uh monopod and made like a metallic clink noise oh yeah that's a good sound yeah very natural sound in their habitat (laughs) (laughs) um so anyway so uh so it was the combination of the movement and the clinking but yeah then that bull was done and uh man i felt terrible i was like oh i screwed up our only opportunity 
But. And I was like Arrow was on. I'd yeah. already ranged the bull. I was slid down to seventy one. I should like I should have just made sure that he knew like shit's about to get real. Um, so that bull boogered, and then we ended up going checking out the yeah. um, the ranch. And I that remember we had being pretty much like, oh, "This is really bad for me as a cameraman. Like I just screwed that up." And you were like, "Just shake it off, dude." And so we just boom, we just on to the next thing. Yeah. At- it, it was early in the hunt, man. Like, it was day four or five. Like, yeah. we, we're starting to put pieces of the puzzle together. We just got, like, you just saw your first two bulls ever That's in the true. wild. Yeah. Uh, things were looking up. And so we go check out that mesa, that private land. Mm-hmm. It's garbage. It's like mule deer country. It's not elk country. And so, obviously, the evening plan is to go back to where we just had those two bulls. Right. Those were two bulls that were with the six the day before. Let's go back to that state chunk, and let's wait in that same pinch area. Yeah. There's nearby water on public and private. Like, it's a hub. Elk are going to be there. And I remember we got there really early, like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I think we were filming some B-roll out in the wide open, and Jake was with us, and Jake was going to cover a pinch point. And, like, had a really good vibe. Like, tonight we're going to see elk. Someone's going to get a shot. And, um... The, the the same morning that we bumped those two bulls, Jake actually was knocked up on a bull at 51 yards and had a guide and oh, yeah. a client step over, come from private to state land, not see the elk, not see Jake, and then they bumped those elk while Jake was at 51 yards waiting to get a shot on the bull. And yeah, so that. he had that screwed up. And guess what? Did he have a smile on his face? You betcha. <laughs> he he wasn't faded. He was so stoked that he was knocked up. It was like, okay, man, like that's a good spot for the mornings. We both yeah. have pl- – like this is good. So that evening we bring Jake to our spot since there's six bulls in this little state chunk. Yeah. And we set up after doing some B-roll and some filming stuff. Once it started being evening, I know we all went and set up. Now, I may or may not have been taking a nap, and you may or may not have poked me with your elbow and said, dude, check out all these trucks on the mountain. They're, like, glassing us. Yeah. And I remember being like, okay. And so, sure enough, I wake up, and I, I stand behind the bush, and I, and I glass, and I'm like, yeah, that guy is outside of his truck literally glassing us. He's on private. We're on state whatever i don't care like there's actual signs in front of us that say boundary national force like Mm -hmm. like we know we're good on x has got it like we're fine yeah and um i thought maybe he was glassing for elk and then another truck showed up once that truck left and he got out a spotting scope and he was glassing from his his side mirror or his side window yeah and he was spotting he was glassing us and i was like this is getting weird, dude. Yeah, it felt weird. Um, yeah, I remember seeing those guys and just being like, they're probably looking for elk, but like, I just had the sense that like they were watching us. Um, so I was kind of trying to stay behind the bushes and stuff, but like, just because I didn't want them watching us. But I mean, yeah, like you said, we were legit on public land and um, anyways, in the so, wide open. Yeah, I mean, it's like we were like hiding. we were covering a pinch point. That's still yeah. wide open. And we walked there, like, right through, like, the middle of, obviously, open country to get there. Like, we weren't sneaking, nothing like that, so. 
Long story short, we don't see any elk, and we're hiking along the fence line between National Forest and the state land, mm-hmm. and I, I see a tundra parked on the state land side, which yeah. I didn't even know you could get a vehicle on I that side. I knew immediately this was going to be bad. <laughs> knew right away, like, something's up, yeah. but also still not faded. And he's probably 100 <laughs> yards from our from my four-wheeler. And I'm like, I should have said, Hunter, turn your camera on. Yeah. But that's hindsight speaking. Yeah. As soon as we. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to. Like, I've already told this story. That's, <laughs> I want you to tell it. For yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so this guy jumps out immediately. He's got, um, I think he had a bino pack on. I don't know. He definitely had a sidearm. I noticed he had handcuffs. And he's like. You're, you're trespassing on Floyd Lee property, blah, 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 blah. like real aggressive, like immediately right into it. Um, if you come back here tomorrow, you will be arrested. And, um, and you know, just my like Southern, I guess, like tendencies and being from, you know, out East, like I'm glad Dan was there because to be honest, just how aggressive and hard he was playing it. I probably would have fallen in the trap that probably 99% of the other people who he encounters fall into, which is, okay, you know, sorry, I didn't know, uh, blah, 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 I'll get off, whatever. But Dan, <laughs> I remember thinking like, oh, dude, this could get bad because Dan immediately like, I don't know, you, I don't know if you if you were just offended or you just smelled through his BS or what, but like, I'm not saying you're mean to him, but you matched his aggression and you were like, not taking it. You were like, no, 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 I am on state land. And, uh, he started to get a little nerve. I don't think he's used to people confronting him back and he got a little like prickly and then it started to get a little heated. And then we walked away for a second and that's when Jake came up. Maybe you can speak to this part of the story, but, um, and we ended up, you heard something Jake said, and you just immediately turned right back around, like, and went straight back for where the guy was standing. And that's the point where he, I guess, um, I guess to protect himself or whatever, like, and knowing that you were kind of pushing back on him, he grabbed his cell phone and started like holding it here, like a body cam, like recording. And you asked him like nicely to stop and he wouldn't. So that's when I just grabbed my camera and turned it on and said, well, he's filming us. Like I'm turning my camera on. And that's when I started rolling. But so uh, the initial, like the initial interaction with him was, and this is just what <laughs> I thought he was trying to communicate was that we, he, I thought he was telling us that we were on Floyd Lee's actual land, right? that right. we had left the state land and that we were on Floyd Lee's land. And that's why I was like, no way i ran tracking today just for this instance check my tracks it's all in the blue chunk of state land i never stepped foot on floyd lee like and that's what i thought he was saying and that's and he was like yeah we filmed you guys from on top of the mountain and i'm like okay number one (laughs) we saw you guys it's not like we were hiding i saw you guys filming us i saw you guys glassing us and there was like two trucks like okay yeah if if we were being malicious or sneaky, we would have like tried to get away. No, black and white. And then number two, like he was saying, like we got you. Like he was like, we got you now. We got yeah. you on camera. Yeah. And I was like, bro, that's two miles away. He's like, no, it's not. And so then I'm like, okay, I'll play your games. 
it's one mile away. And he's like, no, it's not. I'm like, it's 500 yards away. And he's like, no, it's further than that. I'm like, okay, we can figure out the line distance. But the bottom line is we know we have proof of where we step foot. We ran tracking and that was what we were arguing about. He was trying to say they had the hunting lease. They had leased the hunting rights to that chunk. And we were state land of state land and by default, I didn't catch that man. So I'm walking away. I caught it. Pissed off. So mad. I was so pissed. And then Jake walks by and Jake's like, he says the same. I'm going to arrest you. If you show up tomorrow, Yeah, I'll have you arrested by the sheriff. And I think this guy's an off-duty sheriff now that I'm thinking about it. Well, he said he was of, retired law enforcement. I don't know. If, is that what he said? Yeah. Just the way he held his cell phone camera like a body cam yeah. was interesting. And having handcuffs. and like, like Anyways, yeah. long story short, is he says the same spiel to Jake. And Jake's like, uh, I have Onyx right now. Yeah. This is state of New Mexico land. And he's like, I. and then he says to Jake, yes, we have the lease to this state land. You can't hunt it. Right. And that's when I was like, Oh, no, you d- – okay, I thought you were accusing <laughs> us of trespassing on private, but now you're trying to say that you guys leased yeah. state land. And he said state land. I'm like, you can't you can't lease state land here in New Mexico you, to hunt. Yeah. You can have grazing rights, and that's where we argued. Right. He turns his camera on. I ask him to stop recording me. He doesn't oblige, and then you turn yours on. Yeah. And then once that camera was rolling, I switched gears into – like I'm gonna be nicer on camera, but I'm gonna get I'm gonna get him in some hot water. And so when that camera came on, I was able to kind of change tactics a little bit. Be like, okay, sir, if you're correct, I will drive all the way back to your ranch and I will apologize to your face. But I believe that we are allowed to hunt state land, and that you cannot lease state land yeah. for hunting rights. And I said also. I believe you guys have ranch-only tags, and I think mm-hmm. you guys cannot be guiding on state land, which is public land. You have to stay on your ranch, which I don't know why you would he leave didn't your like ranch. That. He did not like that. And then he, I asked him to provide documentation of this lease, yeah. which he declined. And then he Nothing. kept kept telling us that he works for Floyd Lee as security. He's only doing what, what his is, boss, yeah. in quotations, asked him to do, right. which I thought was like— a safety net to cover his ass. Like he wouldn't, yeah. he didn't say, he wouldn't I'm make with a United definitive St- statement. It was like, I'm just doing what my boss told me to do. And then you asked, yeah. like, well, let's call the game warden. Like, I bet, you know, if you're security, you should have the game warden's number. I mean, obviously, like on speed dial, I think you even said. And he was like, oh, no, I don't have it. And you're like, well, what's his name? He didn't even know his name. He's like, I don't know. <laughs> and that's when I smelled a rat, man. And yeah. I was like, let's keep recording this. And um, we got to record him harassed two other hunters that were hiking off the state chunk to the four-wheeler which were out of state out of state guys who which is like i said probably most of the people he talks to and they're of course like kind of scared like visibly one guy was like kind of visibly scared and upset shaken yeah and uh and was like oh well we're sorry we try to you know be law-abiding citizens and they were and and this guy's just like no mm -mm, yep and just you know kicking them off and then that's when the two local guys came over and we're like, yo, you guys need to just like leave these guys alone. They even said there were some rumors about how these guys would have have people get, you know, they'd come and beat people up and like drop them off in town, or somehow have the sheriff come and put you detain you for twenty four hours. And they were like, 
you, this is not getting you guys anywhere arguing them. You just need to go. That's kind of what they advised us to do. Like, we've dealt with these guys before, and I think you should just leave. So that's when we were like, yeah, all right, let's so get out of here. The two local guys were hiding in a bush. <laughs> they were. <laughs> listening to me argue <laughs> they were. with the fake-ass security guard. <laughs> Once the fake-ass security guard— I didn't guard, even notice that. They were definitely hiding in a bush, though. Once he uh, <laughs> told the Iowa guys, gave them the, the, you know, the full rant, the full spiel, and he leaves, the two local guys come out of the bush, and their four-wheelers are <laughs> right there. They avoided the whole thing, and they're like, basically like, yeah, dude, y'all need to leave. You're, you're literally you're, you're, you're barking up the wrong tree. These guys have been known to yeah. tag and bag people. That's is what the exact said. verbiage. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, it's 2021. <laughs> I ain't getting tagged and bagged. This ain't the elk cartel. And uh, he's like, no, seriously, like, watch your back tonight. Like, where are you camped? Like, they'll come to your camp. And I'm just like, okay, let's forget the. He was the, scared, though. Yeah, he was legit, like, straight face. So. We basically, he they told us that they've been hunting this spot for 20 years and that just last year they had this same deal go on and all they do is they say, um, I'm not trespassing and they turn the other cheek and they just walk away. They just avoid conflict. Yeah. Now the Iowa guys, once the, the security guard leaves, we film and get a mm-hmm. statement from the Iowa guy and he reveals information that blew my mind, and I hope he told the game more. I assume he did. Do you remember what that was? No, I don't he, actually. So there was two guys from Iowa or Kansas, and they are the ones that got confronted. And they said that they showed up that evening with another guy in their party, and they found out that he so they spread out into pinch points. Which, mm-hmm. by the way, bravo to all these guys. Like, there's that's. Five guys plus me and Jake and you all hunting 318 acres. <laughs> like, kudos to all these guys for understanding not to sit there and blow their Doug Flutie tube right. and to, like, shut your mouth and get the wind right and cover pinch points. Like, they were all hunting it really well, but the guy in their group that showed up, his four-wheeler was gone because while he was hunting with them and in his pinch point, a USO guide and client hopped the fence, came over to him while he was hunting— while elk, they he had elk coming and scared the elk away and then told the guy, hey, you are trespassing. We have the least rights to this state mm-hmm. land. You need to leave. And he 180'd and left. Yeah. And all that's on video, man. All that statement's on video, and it will see the light of day. Yeah. And, and they were telling us we were hunting illegally. And the fact of the matter is not only were they lying about that, they were actually hunting illegally, we think. Because we think they had ranch-only tags and were bringing clients onto state land and then claiming that was their state land. Which is where this sign comes from, is an illegally posted sign that they put up on one of those fences onto state land. Yep. And it's just trying, and obviously there's elk there and not anywhere else, which is why there's seven hunters hunting 318 acres. Yeah. You know, and we verified this with Game Wardens. Should I go into that now or you want to wait? On well, one, there's one more thing I want to bring okay. up. And then I definitely think you should get into the game warden stuff is the security guard said on more than one occasion, I haven't watched the footage to be honest, but I know what my memory serves me well and says, you know, our, these guys, he's referring to clients Mm -hmm. have paid good money to hunt here 
and you guys are ruining this hunt for them. And our guys have just, we've, they've, we have clients, we have 90 clients. He said 90, nine zero. We have 90 clients and they paid good money. And that's Jeez. when I wasn't went off the rails and was like, I've paid good money. I've bought a <laughs> landowner tag. Yeah. Mine's unit wide. I drove 20 hours. I filled my truck up. I'm going to fill it up a bunch more times to get home. My wife's home with two kids. Yeah. She's not working while I'm hunting. Like I've paid good money. Your just because you have a business and clientele doesn't give you first right of refusal. Mm. It doesn't mean that I'm a lower class elk hunter. And that was the vibe that he was putting off. And gotcha. I am still salty about that. But yeah, we busted. We had a powwow right after this. We went back to our camp and I said, guys, I don't care if we're legal or not. I'm not going to, to hunt yeah. in this environment. We've had enough of that. I, I, I'm not going to do it. And you're like, that's cool. Jake really wanted to stay and play. Um, because he was seeing elk, but we packed our stuff up and we drove into town the very next morning to call the game warden. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was, I was still like kind of not believing that they would like somebody would blatantly lie and break the law like to that degree. Like, so I, I still in the back of my mind is like, okay, Dan's probably right, but I'd say there's probably still a 10% chance. I'm saying this in my mind that, those guys actually do have some kind of lease or something and they're like telling the truth. Um, but yeah, we got back to town. We decided to get out of there. We needed some water and some gas, I think, and go back to town, get cell service. We're talking about all this stuff. And I was like, dude, I want to call, I just want to like call the game warden. Like I want to be crystal on this. And so like I called him answered nice guy, officer lackey. If you're watching or listening, uh, thanks for your work. Um, but, um, I was kind of worried that they'd be like, Oh, well, you know, whatever. And blow it off or, but this guy took me really seriously. Uh, he asked for a pin. I told him the whole situation. He asked me to drop him a pin. He was gonna go there that night and check it out. Um, but he, he said, no, he's like, uh, nobody can, um, lease hunting rights on state land. Um, and even if they do lease the grazing rights, that doesn't include the hunting rights. Um, so I'm, you know, he said no. He even checked with the um, state game commission. So even the game warden double checked, make it a hundred percent sure. Not only do they not have the hunting rights to that uh, chunk of land, they don't even have the grazing rights. So they, yeah, Floyd Lee didn't even yeah. sign up for grazing rights. He even doesn't that need was it. a lie. So he doesn't need that 318 acres to graze. He's got no. half the unit. Yeah, and I got the game warden on camera saying. No, you're 100% good to go there. And that's been backed up and verified by the State Game Commission. So so we felt like, um, is it justified vindicated? or vind vindicated? Yeah, yeah vindication. Um, but it still wasn't enough for me to want to go deal with that. Yeah. Like I, I told, I said, I am going to go Especially to the with, opposite. Like they're, they're so sketchy with those local guys are saying, not that we were scared, but we just didn't want to deal with the drama. Like I remember we came back after um getting that whole interaction on film and like i dumped footage that night because i didn't think they would actually do anything but in the back of my mind like well, what if some dudes roll up and just take my camera and just take the cards out and like break yeah. them or something you know like you yeah. never know so the the because that was the night when we really put everything together when it was like all this weird stuff we've been noticing and it's been occurring that's when it all clicked of what was actually happening between the security guy and the other hunters and the guys chasing elk 
for me at least, I didn't really put it all together until that night. So that's why I was like, whoa, this is like serious. That's when I was like, I'm dumping this footage. I'm putting it in my locked Pelican case and going to bed. So it, well, it was I had Well, I had a similar episode of Paranoia where I, and I hate to admit this, but I'm going to keep it real. I was like, I told you guys, I'm like, dude, I don't know what kind of operation we're dealing with here. Yeah. Um, because we haven't even mentioned the fact that I've had a low flying helicopter yes. at 11,000 feet in the middle of the day, barely clear trees and pu- right where we had the bull bugling the day before. Mm-hmm. And the next day we were in there and this low flying helicopter, not military, right. uh, is flying super low. And we had heard rumors that they do that, that somebody there pushes elk back onto private. And I'm not saying it's USO. I'm just saying, I just started reviewing the facts with, with myself. I'm like, and I think yeah. I, I told you, I was like, okay, we don't know who's hiring the, uh, this helicopter, but it's super shady what that helicopter's yeah. done. And we've seen it in the air twice in the daylight. Number two, it's pretty interesting that a brand new GMC with two young guys gets out and pushes Elk pretty obviously back onto private Floyd Lee Ranch. Mm-hmm. Number three, a somebody is getting paid to act like a security and take the time out of his day to track down every hunter on 318 acres and have an exchange yeah. and threaten them to be arrested. And then um, armed security. Yeah, armed security, and then cli- guides and clients hopping fences and chasing elk. Like I'm like, dude, there's like I said, I don't even know. Maybe the game warden's on payroll. Like I don't know what kind of cartel operation this <laughs> is and who's being paid cartel-y. for what. It definitely and I'm like, did. and that's why I was like, I'm not calling the game warden. Like, yeah. like you can call him. I <laughs> want to go elk hunt. Yeah. Like that was my that was my degree of paranoia, and I'm so glad you called who you called and I'm so glad we got the game warden we did because um turns out he's friends with one of my friends oh, really? come to find out yeah come to find out this guy is ambitious this guy is legit and he's going to put his best foot forward nice. and even at the time of this recording I had a sergeant New Mexico game and fish officer who follows me on Instagram didn't know that send me a message extending his services, if we need any help in this case, he knew very. He said he was very familiar with this operation and this specific location. Whoa! And he extended, if I need any of his resources, to let him know. Dude, that's which awesome. I didn't know about that. I'm telling everybody, and I've had, I've had BHA uh, chapter in New Mexico reach out to me, and then another organization. They're all trying to fight against the E plus program and the privatization of elk hunting and the black market of, and, and I don't want, I didn't, I don't want to be on top of all this, man, but I told everybody and I'm telling you guys right now, like we will record podcasts with these people that if they want to come on, you and I will talk about it openly and honestly, and then I will put it on YouTube. Absolutely. I will put on Instagram. I will do my part with my platforms and show what we saw and show what we have. Yeah. And that's that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to go beyond that. Like I have too many other obligations, yeah. but um that's I do want to be a I want to be a voice for public land elk hunters. Yeah, I mean this is a real issue. I mean, these were I mean, we ourselves as well as other guys we witnessed drove multiple states like you said, left our families at home, you know, invested in this trip in a big way as well. 
and they're literally getting bullied and kicked off 100% public land. Um, so it's, and like I said, you know, there's a reason we were there at that time, I think, to tell the story. And with your platform, man, like that's awesome that, you know, maybe we can help out some way with the stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, what I will say is like, I don't know the owner of you, uh, United States Outfitters. I only know his name. I've only Google searched his name. He's a powerful dude. I mean, he's he's someone who sued fishing games before in Kansas yeah. and in in, in Arizona. Um, he's been charged with almost, felonies as well. Oh, well, see, I don't I don't care about him or his operation. I just care about what we experience. I don't want anyone else experience. Now, I do have to say this. There are times when Onyx is off by five feet, by 15 feet. There's times when people who put a fence line in are off. And I understand that. I got a lot of messages about that, and I understand that. But in this instance, the fact that we verified through the game warden, the fact that the, the, the state commission verified, we are black and white here but yeah there are times where maybe a map's off yeah. and you're arguing and you're wrong and if i was wrong i would be the first one to go find that guy and look him in the eye and say i was wrong yeah. if you want to charge me i'll accept those charges that's on me um but that's just not the case in this point and so someone's got to stand up for public land elk hunters might as well be us for sure man uh, and i said the same thing too i was like with the sign i don't condone stealing or destruction of property at all but this was a hundred percent illegally posted to keep regular hunters off of public land so i mean i don't feel bad taking it i feel like i almost did a service by taking it because it's a lie and it's illegal basically so anyway um sketchy stuff well, going down sketchy stuff and so people are going to want to know well, well where are we at up to date so give us an up to date as far as like maybe we're where are we at yeah. on this case, or is there any charges that have been? I know statements have. What are we at? So basically, right now, I texted Officer Lackey um, before we started recording today. Um, so I don't know like exactly where they are now because he hasn't texted me back yet. Um, but he has texted me as recently as two days ago, um, and and keeping me up to date. Um, just let me know it's going. Basically, nothing's happened yet, but they're working on it. Um, but just the fact that he's been in contact with me, like it hasn't just been me texting him and, you know, he's actually reached out to me asking for more information. So as soon as we got back from the trip, I took all my video evidence, um, a couple pictures of Dan Stan next to the sign on the line to public land, as well as a bunch of video of that interaction we had and some and the film statement from the guy from Iowa. I took all that stuff into Dropbox folder uploaded it and sent it to the game warden to actually use as evidence in the case. So, um, so he's been in touch about that and, um, I don't know, I'll keep you guys updated. I, like I said, I haven't got the update from him today, but I, I know they're doing something with it. Like it's not just dying. Cause I've been hearing from the guy, you know, I think it also encourages other people to, um, do your homework, make sure you know where you stand, use on X, use available BLM maps, state maps, yeah. you know, trust, but, inspect trust and you know verify and then from there you know don't get bullied yeah um, stand your ground and then you also it's not worth getting shot over but stand no. your ground no and um keep get your cell phone out 
get get video of the interaction. Yeah. Uh, take photos of the license plates. Um, and run tracking, uh, even if you know where you are, just so you have, like, you had evidence. Like, hey, look, I didn't go yep. on your land. And you, yep. if you run tracking, you always have that. Yep. That was another just thing. I sh- like- now, I say that the officer asked me is he asked me to send me a screenshot of our tracking, and I did. Which clearly nice. shows us going onto public and off. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so anyway. No, I think that just covers your basis. Um I hope no one has this kind of unfortunate stuff happen before. Yeah. Um the last thing is probably just the fact that you did get Ooh, hold on a little second. my camera yep. stopped. Yeah, you shouldn't be recording this. No one's gonna watch it, man. Yeah. Um ten people will. Ten people. <laughs> well, they are very special. I would say yeah. like the, the, the last thing to touch on is like the last two hours of the hunt where you got to experience why I'm so addicted to elk hunting. Oh, the last two hours of the entire hunt. Yep. Um, you want to go straight to that one, huh? There's not much yeah, else that happened because we went, there, <laughs> we just did a lot of bow yeah. hiking. Yeah. And, so, okay. Yeah. So the last day, it was the last morning. We went to a bunch of different spots, had an encounter, but anyway, um, we are midday kind of, we didn't really have much of a plan. We were sort of back to that. Long story short, we moved a bunch of times, but we were sort of back in the general vicinity of all this drama. And that's the that's the morning. Actually, we we uh, took a picture of the sign, and I um, did my service by removing it. Um, <laughs> I didn't know you. I didn't know you took it home until yeah. yesterday when you commented <laughs> that it's. Dude, it was sneaky. so blatantly. Sneaky. I was just like, dude, I don't. I didn't find any cool sheds or anything, so I was like, I gotta have a souvenir, so I just grabbed it. Sorry if that offends you, but it was an illegally posted sign, so I don't feel bad. Anyway, um, we we didn't really have a plan. We're coming back, and it, lure, it was kind of like, I don't know, it seemed like a long shot, but somehow Jake met us like right at the T, pretty far from camp. And I do got to just say really quick, we put in hundreds of miles on a one-man ATV, me and Dan, with all our gear, on some of the worst roads probably in New Mexico and it was painful and like pretty awful to be honest but <laughs> we did it anyway you're we're a trooper back. yeah it, it hurt in a lot of ways that's a whole I could talk for like 20 minutes about that but we won't see Jake he tells us how he uh came to full draw on a bullet like 40 yards let an arrow fly and as has happened to probably every bow hunter out there, a tiny twig was in his way, deflected his arrow right at the last minute. And of course, when he said it, he had a smile on his face and most guys would have been super angry because of all we've been through at this point to miss a, a opportunity like that. Um, he actually, I remember him saying best day of hunting yet and like smiling, even though he just yep. had like a miss, you know, or like a deflection. So that's another thing speaking to Jake's attitude. But um, anyway, he had found some elk. So that was the bottom line. And uh, we decided to go into this new area. It was close to our first campsite, but we hadn't been in it yet. Um, and it was kind of like a little hidden gem back there, honestly. We had seen some big mule deer in the area, but just hadn't... I mean, we'd covered tons of ground. We just This is just one little pocket we didn't cover. And so we hiked back up in there. You guys had made a plan to kind of do some calling back and forth. Um, but we made it on top of this hill mountain ridge i don't know what you call it but made it on top of something and um and we started hearing some bugling and then that's when (laughs) i'll never forget that look when you like oh it's game time and like and you're just on (laughs) 
And well, uh, yeah, it's what it was. Game time. Yeah. First game time, really. The whole the whole nine well, days. The first day we had that game time moment. And that's yeah, when okay. I, that's when you're like Yeah, when you switch it on, it's cool. So anyway, you switched it on, we switched it on, and we bombed down just in the direction. And we were walking carefully, but we bombed down there, making some cow calls along the way. And then I don't know, just I'm just telling from my perspective, but um we started hearing some bugling and it was getting closer and closer. Um, I'm still like a hundred percent. I'm still like at least 50% of my brain capacity is going to, okay, camera's good. Settings are all right. You know, like my batteries are good in case I get pinned down for 20 minutes or something like audio's set where it needs to be ND filters on the right setting. So I'm like, I'm there, but I'm not a hundred percent there. And so, then I remember you just stop. I think you might have knocked one up. I'm not sure. But that's when I know, like, oh, it's really on. Because I didn't see the elk yet. No, that's not true. You stop, and I see two cows kind of like – and, again, it was sort of out of the corner of my eye because as soon as I see movement, I know we're in the area of elk. I'm into, like, hyper-focus mode of make sure the camera is ready to go. So um, I didn't really look at those. But then I remember I kind of – it took me a while because he was in some brush. But I finally was able to find the elk – and get on him it's probably a little shaky so i apologize if it is but finally got on him got it in focus and um and then i remember hearing him or seeing and hearing him bugle and he was what 50 60 yards yep yeah and um so i don't know this was i'd seen the other bulls but this was like the first time we came on a group of elk kind of doing their thing uh didn't really know we were there yet or thought maybe we were another elk um kind of in their natural element and like doing rutting behavior and stuff and we were in this beautiful area like these huge big aspens everywhere and just a really beautiful picturesque scene and i see this thing like you know like bugling through the trees and that's when i was like this is crazy like this is what I get why these guys like do this like to get in this it was like stepping into a completely different world man like mm. I, it's probably a cliche like they say like oh they look like dinosaurs but it did have like a prehistoric feel to it and um and yeah it was just it just seemed I don't know it's weird it's like magical it's like stepping into a whole new world just like everything else melted away and it was just us and that elk and then, I don't know you want to take it from there uh, you nailed it. So, I mean, that was it. We we basically, Jake and I split up. He covered one drainage. I covered the other. I did a little bit of loud cow calling with an external, and I heard a bugle. And it was way up the, I won't say valley, but just way up the drainage. Yeah. And we had a lot of ground to cover. And so, I didn't have him pinpoint from that bugle, but I knew he wasn't like right in our wheelhouse. So it was getting late in the afternoon too. Hauled at, it was getting late. We had maybe an hour and a half of daylight left. So we hauled ass towards the drainage, just going up the drainage on a phenomenal elk trail. And it led us right into a beautiful micro meadow surrounded by 18, 20 inch round aspens. Yeah. And then the mountain just took off from there. And you could tell that he was, like, you could just tell based on his last bugle, he is right there on that little bench. Like, there's a shelf right there, mm. and elk love shelves, and they just got out of their beds and they're starting to feed, like, just given the time of night. And the way he's bugling is, he there's not a hot cow, but 
he is defen- like he is full defensive mode mm. and telling any cow that he heard to get over to him. He's doing like a gathering bugle. And so I remember we hit that micro meadow and I was like, okay, we need to get right to him right now. Like, I don't want to call. Like, I want to just sneak in because he's pretty hot to trot. Yeah. Um, I hate calling elk in solo. It's hard. And they're on full alert. And right. so it's just, it's just tough. So we, we, I tried to find an elk trail. Couldn't, we started bushwhacking for a second. And if you remember, I one eighty it out. I'm like, no, there's got to be an elk trail. So we backed out, went further up the meadow and then we hit, I'm like, yes, this is the elk trail. Now, the reason why elk trails are so important for me is that we can, we're not going to break a bunch of brush. Yeah. We're not going to break sticks. We're not going to go over downfall. We're going to go right to these elk. Yeah. And it took seconds on that elk trail, and we popped up on the shelf, yeah. and I had to stop. Plus, it'll be natural to for them to hear elk coming from that trail. Yeah. Elk should come from that trail. Yeah. And we stop because I see a cow feeding, and she kind of hears something, and we freeze. And luckily, you froze too. And she just like kind of looks our way, and I'm expecting her to bark, but I knew we had the wind because it was just that time of night where thermals are completely switched. Yeah. And so she's looking our way. She's very suspicious, but then she's kind of like, nah, I don't know, but I'm going to kind of get out of here. And so she didn't run, yeah, she's like but a she just kind of little trot away. And I think she was with one other cow and they kind of just went away. And then the bull bugles at that. And I look and there he is. He's 60 yards. He's in alders. Yeah. And All he's got a cow. Antlers moving a little bit. Yeah. And he's a nice five point and there's a cow below him. And that's when I was like, well, I better bugle. And so I bugle. He answers back over the top of me. (laughs) And then I tried bugling over the top of him. Next thing I know, he starts raking the alders. Uh, And the cow, the cow that's next to him, she's like, where are the, where are those other two going? I'm going with them. So she leaves him and walks in a straight line towards those other cows. I'm knocked up. I range her. She comes out into my opening. I range her at 55. I slide to 55. And for my Dan's elk experience is like bull's going to walk on the same exact mm-hmm. trail as her. So after I bugled, I'm not going to say another word. I'm just going to like this bull's either going to come right into us or he's going to like walk the way the cow did. Well, he does the ladder. He goes through the ladder and, and he comes into my lane and I start cow calling to stop him. Dude doesn't stop. Yeah. And I'm like freaking out. And then all of a sudden, Jake, I know Jake's bugle. He bugles behind us (laughs) and the bull stops to bugle. And when he stops to bugle, I'm like, you're dead. You're on the trail that the cow was. You're quartering away. There's nothing obstructing this arrow. Pull back. And I remember wishing my arrow or my shot would break. And I just kept on talking to myself like, Dan, keep pulling, (laughs) keep pulling. And then it breaks. And I just... When you shoot enough and you shoot like that, you're like, like that bull's dead. Like I already just, I was like, yep, he's dead. That angle, mm. that broadhead, he's dead. And he runs and I, and I, I don't hear that thwack sound. Yeah. I heard my arrow going like through brush and I figured it maybe passed through. And, um, he runs up to the, he just runs to the next bench, which is two, 300 yards away and bugles and bugles. And yeah, that's we kind of when I was like, arrow. And blood, and then we hear him bugling, and we're like, "Oh!" And you, I I'm remember like, you were no. like, "He's still alive. He's fine." Yeah, I'm like, "Man, if I hit him, I didn't hit him good, and and I I don't think I hit him. Like, let's skip looking for the arrow. Let's go get him." Yeah. So we sprinted 
to the next bench and we lost cover. If you remember, like we ran out of cover. I, I just and- remember messing with my camera, trying to make sure I was straight and then basically running into your back and you're putting an arrow in, like knocking one up and you're like, please don't F this up. <laughs> oh, I did say that <laughs> Something to you. Like that. Cause please I didn't know, but up. again, he was right. Like, I guess it was 70, 80 yards, but right there staring at us, like standing on a cliff and so, like, he, yeah, he was in the timber, but he had just bugled. Yeah. And I knew, like, he was in those trees right there. Yeah. And we were out of cover, and they can see through trees that aren't mature. And, yeah. And so I'm like, stop, stop, stop. And then I hit. Wait, hold I on. I got to tell this part. Wait. So I run into your back, and then I, I had a flashback of the time when I, like, jumped around you the other time and scared yeah. you at once. So I was like, okay, I can't do that. And then, um, but I, I could see where he was, and there was a, like a branch just between me and him. I couldn't get him in. And I was like, "Dude, I have to get this in frame." So I just like really slowly like went around your other shoulder and got him in frame. And that's when I that's when I saw him really for the first time. And he was just like all majestic, just up there like on a cliff, just like on a cliff. <laughs> like I had just like cow called, and he he saw your movement. He just heard. Oh, a cow he saw call your from- movement. Either way, we just vocalized to pull him out of the timber. He comes raging out of the timber. I didn't see that. Stops and stares. I'm ranging him. I'm not going to say his distance, but it wasn't wasn't close, but it was not outside my effective range. And I'm like knocking on. I slid down, and I remember saying to you, and I did say, please don't F this up. And then you said, Dan, I have to move to get the shot. And I remember I said to you, do what you got to do. And you did it. I did. I did. And it's all that's on video. And then um, I can't I can't shoot this bull because he's literally frontal at a long ways away. And I'm just like, OK, if he he's going to like being in this ex- being experienced elk hunter and seeing this unfold before he's going to lose interest. Yeah. He's going to go – he's very concerned about his three cows. He's going to go check on them immediately. So he immediately starts to turn to leave, and I just cow-called again and pulled back. Now he's broadside, and I don't know how long I was at full draw, but it was probably just as long as the, the shot that had just taken place seconds ago Yeah. with possibly even more focus and determination to hit where I was going to aim. Mm. And I'm just – laser focused my bubbles level and i remember i just got an even better break than the shot before Mm. and as soon as that shot breaks it's like either the sound of the string or just he was ready to move he didn't he just takes a step forward and then turns to go up the mountain and you'll see it on youtube spoiler alert you'll see that my arrow is going right behind the shoulder into the heart except for he moves out of the way just enough to where the arrow goes in at a ridiculous quartering away angle and captures one lung. And the arrow goes in, buries to the knock. He runs three steps and the arrow breaks and comes out. Mm-hmm. And he runs up out of sight into the cli- next set of band of cliffs. Yeah. Dude, we, I was like, we got to go up there right now. Yeah. And just Usually on I would shot, wait. one more note. I reviewed the footage and yeah, it's like, it's just bad. It's just bad timing. Literally, 
like a millisecond, like unnoticeable millisecond before you release the arrow, he starts taking a step. He's just like walking yep. away. And by the time your arrow got there, he was like two steps in another direction. And looking back, it was one of the best shots I've ever taken. It was just like that's crazy. That arrow was going exactly where I was aiming. Um, and so arrow hits him in a weird angle. Yeah. It's already a uphill steep steep uphill cliff shot, like a total archery challenge kind of shot, like as far yeah. as just steep steep angle yeah. trajectory. And the elk moves. So I hit him and usually I'd be like, Okay, we gotta give the bull some time. But for whatever reason my gut told me like I remember we were talking for a second and then we hear him bugle again. Yes. And I'm like, like What? We gotta get up there. Like he's not like he's not hurt. And then we run up to where the shot is, and then you look on the ground, and then I immediately panicked, Hunter. I was like, dude, that probably wasn't him who bugled. That's got to be a different bull because look at all the blood. Oh, yeah. Like this bull's, this bull's done for dude, or really hurt. blood. So instead of running over to that last bugle and probably getting another shot, Hindsight, we we stayed on the blood, and he ended up doing some weird, like, he went 100 yards this way, 100 yards that way, and then 100 yards down, and then 100 yards over. He went 400 yards from the shot, and that's where he bugled. And when we got to where he bugled, that's where we saw, like, the most insane amount of blood you've ever seen. Puddles of blood. With the giant pink foam in the middle. Yeah. Looked really good. I was like, oh, this thing is dead. Dead. 100%. And then when we started, like, I was like, well, this was him who bugled. We got to get another arrow in him, and we ain't got much daylight left. We had probably 30 minutes of daylight. And then from there, we just were like, well, let's just follow the blood. And honestly, a blind man could follow the blood trail. It was like we were were walking. Mm -hmm. It was the most fast-paced walk, Yeah, staying on his tracks, and he never left contour, and he just wrapped around the mountain. And... The rest of the story is we didn't get the, we didn't find the bull. Yeah, we eventually lost blood. We tracked we him for came. probably a mile and a half until it got dark, completely dark, and we lost blood. And then woke up the next morning, came back in there. We eventually found blood again. I did a three mile grid in the bottom, uh, and then Jake found blood again. I mean, we did not. You I, missed your flight. Yeah, I literally missed my flight looking for this bull. Um, like, we yeah. really gave it everything to try to find this thing. And I really thought he would lay down um, within the first mile. Yeah. Within the first mile and a half. And when Jake found the last blood, we did a line tracking, and it was two miles of him not nonstop staying with his cows. Yep. He never left his cows. He had those three cows. Never laid down. Um, what a so tough apparently, freaking animal, man. Like, I hope he makes it. He, I do think he probably will, but I don't think he died. We would have. We probably yeah. would have at least bumped him. I mean, he was running up uphill like multiple times, and sure didn't even slow he down. He was staying on contour, which to me, for for like a flatlander, they're like, oh, that's nice, easy. No, staying on contour does require some like side hilling and going up yeah. to go down a little. But yeah, long story short, we did. You did experience what what. That's my drug right there. Like you experienced my uh, yeah. drug addiction. Dude. That is elk hunting 
in its purest. And I'm willing to put up with all this other bullshit just to have two hours of that. I would do it all over again because that's what I, I literally, that's my drug, man. Dude, I can't even imagine going on a, like a good elk hunt, <laughs> like getting, like seeing that stuff happening, like, you know, every day or almost, you know what I mean? Like close to that. Like, um, cause we, like we put in nine or 10 ridiculously hard days and got like probably a collective five minutes max of like actual like sick elk stuff happening. But even yeah. that was like, okay, this is worth it. And so mm -hmm. if you can get like a couple encounters like that, like over the course of a week, I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. So recap, you did really well oh, thanks, man. for a guy who lives in Virginia at zero feet elevation, <laughs> which means like maybe there's something to this CrossFit stuff. Yeah, dude. Maybe there is. I, I do I do think, like I said, I think it's a combination of things for me, and I do not want to um, discount the faith aspect of it, too. I do think that's a real factor. But, yeah, I think the high-intensity cardio pushing through when you're super out of breath, like, you know, if you're just doing bodybuilder-style weightlifting and it's long-distance running, your heart's – like, CrossFit, as much as people want to joke it or whatever, it gets your heart to a place where – that's why like um, SWAT team guys and cops love it because this is really the only way to train cardiovascularly for like getting in a fight to save your life. Like because it's designed for that. Uh, I just did a podcast recently with Greg Amundsen, one of the founding members, and that's something he's talking about. Like this translated into combat, um, which is nothing like going into the gym and busting out a few bicep curls. I mean, you're doing exercises when your body is screaming, stop, you know, like and you just got to keep going. I think that high intensity and just pushing through that and then also pairing that with some long distance running as well was really helpful. There's a lot of mental dividends too, by doing some of the most uncomfortable workouts possible. Yeah. IE CrossFit. Like there's, there's a lot of, um, there's, you can face a lot of demons when you're in the pain cave and totally. you can also quit. And if you get reps at not quitting, not giving up and not hiding from pain, good pain, I think it pays dividends. Absolutely, so I, that's man. definitely, I wanted to recap that. I want to recap like all that elk stuff, all the elk yeah. cartel stuff. Like, again, I just want to be a, a positive voice yeah. for regular guys who maybe aren't going to be able to afford to hire an outfitter. Um, and I have a lot of respect. Like, I got to say this officially. Like, if you're an outfitter listening, like almost 99% of you are hardworking don't get paid enough for what you really do. It's a thankless job, and your pa your passion keeps you in it. But there's always few bad apples. There's bad hunters who trespass knowingly. There's outfitters who kick you off public land knowingly. Like there's always going to be bad apples, and there's always going to be adversity, and you're always going to get punched in the mouth when you public land elk hunt. That's why I bring this stuff up so that you can get reps at like being Jake Webb and smiling on your face when you miss and saying that was the best day of elk hunting so far. Yeah. Like <laughs> always shining a positive spin. If you can stay positive, yeah. you're going to get an elk eventually. Yeah. And so, um, I got to make a note. I don't forget to say, but yeah, a couple of things you just said, like the pain thing, getting reps at pain hundred percent, because like I said, there was that one, the first day after that was like, okay, that was rough. Um, but like, it wasn't, I wasn't dying. Like it wasn't that bad. We still were like smiling and taking pictures at the end of the day. We weren't like, like puking and stuff. Um, and then the rest of the trip, I mean, we had some more hard challenging times, but like it wasn't that bad. Like 
I, I was able to keep up with you. Like, um, it wasn't terrible. Like I had fun, you know? Um, so definitely like getting reps at, because I had workouts where it's like, this is awful. And it never really got to that point. There were some times we were huffing, but anyway. Um, yeah, dude, I totally have nothing but respect for you guys. I had a great trip. I learned so much. I was able to just sit there and like pick your brain on industry stuff and elk hunting stuff. And just, um, I appreciate you and your attitude. And, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, I respected you already from what I saw of you and your online persona, but that's can be different. You know, sometimes when you meet people that have an online persona or whatever, it's like you walk away like, Ugh. but I gotta say like after spending <laughs> 10 complete full like days, like with you in a row, uh, that's a lot. I get to know you pretty well and I have more respect for you. And I really, I feel like you're a brother. So I, I, I the whole time I felt like you're like my big bro. So I appreciate Dude, you. That's so cool. I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I think you remember, I don't know what day it was, but I did look at you in the eye and I said, Hey man, not only are you doing a great job, but you're exceeding my expectations. I just felt like, I don't know if your love language is words of affirmation, Dude, but I know totally that, is. <laughs> but I was just like genuinely telling you like, Hey man, no, you're I, doing a bang up job and I would hire you again. And we weren't even done with the hunt. Yeah. So for me to say that, like I meant it like that, that just shows that you were working your tail off and that, that was so important to me. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. So you're the real deal, man. So I, I appreciate you. Um, and the other thing that was a huge takeaway for me was that was kind of the theme for the trip. I know it's something you talk about a lot. Um, so people have probably heard it before, but there's so many things you cannot control. Like we got tossed around in some pretty bad situations and like, but one thing I remember that sticks out is like, you know, and you said it a bunch of times or maybe a couple of times, we can't control anything, but we can control our effort and attitude. And that's what we did, man. We just freaking jammed the whole time. And no matter how crappy things got, we were still, there was never like more than probably three or four minutes unless we were napping that we weren't cutting up and telling jokes and smiling and laughing and having a good time, you know? We had fun yep. and we kept kept at it hard and kept our effort and attitude good. And you can look back on a even a quote unquote bad trip, which there are no bad trips, but um, you can look at it back positively because just it was a good experience, you know. I definitely am thankful. I know that God's got a plan, For and sure. there was a reason why we were there and why we experienced what we did. There was a reason why there's a guy with a YouTube channel and a filming, a yeah. guy with a small platform but an important platform. And let's just continue to advocate for um, all hunting, like united, not divided. And yeah. uh, I know there these uh, we ran into some shady characters, um, but there's a bunch of really good outfitters. There's a bunch of really awesome people that aren't rich yeah. that hire outfitters, and they work their butt off to be able to do that. And there's a bunch of rich, rich dudes who just want to hire an outfitter, and at least they're hunting. At least they're not, like, going yeah. to – palm springs and golfing they're going to the mountains which is cool yeah. and then there's a bunch of schmucks like you and me who like that we're scraping by we're making sacrifices and elk hunting's kind of a rich man's game in some way um and so it's cool to kind of be on a level playing field sure. where mother nature doesn't care about how tall you are how much money's in your bank account or retirement um whether you're you know have a huge presence online yeah or you have some sort of power or influence, like mother nature treats you the same oh, yeah. and all the elk want to live. 
to me, that's that's the beauty of it. And so, yeah, a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth on that specific unit, that area, but I'm not deterred and I don't want you to be deterred. We will do this again. We will film another yeah, adventure together. I will take you on something a little bit more. Um, well, now what I know what you're capable of physically. Um, oh, great. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll do something real proper. Okay. And for the record, if I hadn't had Jake ride with me, if I hadn't had an airline ticket I bought for you to go home, I would have left that hunt four days in yeah. and gone straight to Oregon to Walmart and bought an over-the-counter Oregon tag <laughs> and finished out my last two weeks yeah. in public land uh, because elk hunting so finite, so precious. I only have so many Septembers in my life. I That's why I keep coming back. To, I hope something positive comes out of this because I do feel like I, I, I missed out on some really crunch time elk hunting to do all yeah. the shenanigans. Yeah. I think, you know, I remember saying at the end of the trip too, I was like, you know, man, uh, you know, I, I know this hunt's probably not turning out the way you'd like, but I was like, I think this story needs to be told. And yeah. I think it does. So um, it's something good will come out of it. Like literally, if nothing else, just the fact that we get to hang out and now we're bros, that's good for me. That's cool. We are bros. We'll do this again. <laughs> yeah, man. And, uh, it's a long podcast, but man, I hope people enjoy it. We'll yeah. put it on both our platforms and um, it'll be good, man. It'll be really good. For sure, dude. Well, it's good talking to you again, man. Let's uh, try to stay in touch. Don't be a stranger, man. No doubt. You know where to find me. All right, buddy. I'll, uh, I'll talk to you soon, man. Cool. All right.